Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello. And welcome to this episode of Horticulture Meets Podcast. My name is Sally Drury and I am Technical Editor at Horticulture Week. I am delighted today to be talking with two of my all-time heroes, Jeff Webb, CEO of the Grounds Management Association, GMA, formerly known as the Institute of Groundsmanship, and with Derek Walder, Operations Manager at one of my favourite shows, the GMA's very own Saltex. Hopefully, it hasn't escaped anybody's attention that Horticulture Week is celebrating its 180th anniversary this year. Saltex is celebrating its 75th. So what better time than now to take a look at what is such a major event in the Grand Care calendar? Derek, if I could start with you, because you have had a connection with Soltex for a long time. You even have the nickname, Mr. Soltex. Tell us a little of the history of the show. When and where did it start? Hi, Sally. Well, yes, uh, you're right. Um, I've been involved on the sort of management side, uh, operations for, believe it or not, 39 years. And that's a frightening number for me this morning when I started looking back. Um, it's the first exhibition was in uh, 1938, which was a year after the uh, then Asso- National Association of Groundsmen had started, um, and it stopped during the war years, and then it's progressed then through various venues up until today at the NEC. We uh, start. We've been to Hurlingham, uh, Motspur Park, Windsor Racecourse, Peterborough back to Windsor Racecourse, and then on to DNEC. So we've got a, a long history of venues and a long history of exhibitions. Yeah, I remember Peterborough particularly well. Um, it was uh, a freezing cold wind on the Peterborough um, showground, wasn't it? And uh, I think the first day, I went round all the, all the exhibitors 
and then spent the afternoon sheltering inside a, uh, it was playground equipment from Australia and it was like a, a hut on stilts. And I, 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 I just wrapped myself up in the corner pretending I was uh, looking at the comfort that teenagers could get out of this piece of equipment. But yes, it was really cold. My first show was back in 1982 as a uh, reporter on Horticulture Week. Um, Derek, how did you become involved in the show? I very stupidly went to a volunteer um, in 1970 at Moxford Park as a, as a volunteer in the car park. How on earth I've got to this far, I just don't know, but that's how I started and I just carried on and um, carried on with the Institute uh, of Groundsmanship as it was. Um, got involved more and more in several um, areas of the Institute, general secretary, chairman, uh, I just couldn't stop putting my hand up when they were looking for volunteers. But, uh, uh, and uh, I still enjoy it to this day, the challenge is still there. Um, even more this year, but there's always been a challenge and it's uh, it's been good to meet the challenge along with the team and the rest of the management in the GMA. So from car park attendee, attendant, yeah, to yeah. Um, Mr. Soltex. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what, what have been some of these big concerns around staging such a, a, a big outdoor show? Well, at Windsor, I just looked back this morning and I was just looking on in 1980, we had uh, um, we had 16,000 visitors and 441 exhibitors. Um, now, that's rather frightening. <laughs> um, we we had the whole of Windsor Racecourse. We built bridges across tributaries. We had two big entrances and uh, we were there for 17 days. Um, now, we're down, now we're down to five days. Um, that's one of the big changes but it was always the weather mm -hmm. it was always the weather and the destruction of winter race course and having to put it back to satisfy the race course authorities afterwards i, I remember some of those very wet events i think uh was it 1983 yeah the first the first day was okay and then the second day we had a thunderstorm and i mean it almost flooded it was terrible the only, only time sally we had to shut down the race course just down the exhibition until early afternoon that day to stop anybody coming in with their vehicles. Yeah, yeah. I bet you've got some hilarious stories about Soltex though, haven't you, Derek? Anything oh. you could share? Uh, oh, there are some, Sally, but I don't know whether this is the... <laughs> uh, the uh, um, we, we've got lots of stories, um, most of them good. Um, I was just trying to think of one which is not really funny, but it's happened a lot and it concerned an exhibit who of course will not be named uh, who stormed into the organizer's office threatening mayhem and i'm going to pull out this thing is run by a bunch of amateurs you don't know what you're doing um blah 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 so i said well just hold on what's the problem he said i booked a 10 by six and i've only got a 10 by three and i looked at him i said you're in the wrong area in the wrong stand and uh, he, that was plenty of stories like that. And at the end, <laughs> to show how this exhibition really works is that the guy came into the organizer's office on the breakdown day with a couple of bottles of wine and said, hi, give this to the guys. He said, um, made a bit of a fool of myself, didn't I? Now, 
I still see that guy up until two years ago when he passed away at um, at the NEC, and he comes up. He said, always every year to come up. Say, can you show me where my stand is, please, Derek? <laughs> uh, uh, we've got a built up a rapport with the exhibitors over the years, myself, the team, and the rest of the staff and management of the uh, GMA. And I think that's been one of our successes. Mm. We're not a we are a commercial business in a way, but we're not a big commercial company with shareholders and people who are going to take a profit out of the exhibition. Jeff, could you explain the, the thoughts behind um, this move from outdoors to indoors, from September to November? Um, it's been successful, obviously, but uh, what were the reasons for taking what is basically an outdoor industry indoors? In a nutshell, because the exhibitors told us that's what they wanted. Right. Um, you know, we, we did extensive consultation with it. Um, and uh, I, I remember being told at the time by somebody who had uh, gone through a, a change of a trade show in, in that way, that it takes uh, 24 months minimum to do what we did. And we did it in the end in 14 months. So from the perspective of um, where we had got to uh, back in what was um, a, a difficult period, actually, uh, you'll recall we had the Olympic um come in and affect the site uh just before 2012 actually and i think that was a bit of a watershed moment because it meant that we had to reconfigure the site and um, it, it meant moving all the major exhibitors from their normal locations to a different part of of the race course and, and it it probably caused mayhem actually um, but aligned with that there, were, there was an increasing view that the risk of being outdoors across three days also, the length actually of a three-day show, which is reflective of the comments Derek said earlier, was just not conducive to doing good business. And we weren't getting the visitor thresholds that we were getting in its heyday. Um, and visitors, as, as well as exhibitors, were looking at the location. Um, I think, unfortunately, over time, that part of the country, if you're ever on the M25 early in the morning or probably early in the afternoon, is, is very very busy space so we looked we looked at all the options sally and we looked across the country and we ended up with the decision to go to birmingham indoors which took the risk of weather away and, and as you say it has been a year-on-year -year success it, it's actually gone from i, th I think our our last year at uh, windsor we got about six and a half thousand people and the first year at the NEC, we got seven and a half thousand people and everybody was obviously waiting to see what happened and what the outcomes were. The, the final year before pandemic, which has unfortunately closed us down for over 15 months now, um, we had over 9,000 people attend and we had, uh, I think, 400 brands represented in 2019. So it, it was the right move. And... Yes, it's an outdoor industry, but actually even things like demos, um, which I still get picked up and I see obviously a lot of trade press discussion about this. Um, there were only actually five companies in the final year doing any demos at all. And actually, when you analyze it, public weren't actually doing any of the demos themselves. It was with sales teams, possibly because of health and safety 
aspects to things nowadays. Um, so that's quite a limited aspect of, of the trade show. Um, people really go to network to, to sort of engage, to, to look at the innovation, seek out the new products. And, and frankly, you can do that as easily indoors as you can outdoors. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the romantic side of us, um, I'll give you a funny story, actually, about the old days at Saltex. I think Derek knows what I'm going to say now. But, but we did have um, an off-road driving course and we were using some John Deere Gators and uh, one of them didn't quite return in the shape and form that it was originally uh, designed for. Uh, we won't say who was driving it at the day, but we do know who it was. And he'll be mortified if his name ever gets out. But um, he did come back rather sheepishly going, I've broken the axle of, of the Gator. So we had to deal with that one. Um, but, but also we had some good after parties. Um, I mean, one of my... my other uns unsung uh, skills sets is I used to be a DJ. So, so I did do an impromptu DJ set, uh, which still gets ridiculed by Derek and, and the team and, and the rest of the staff to this day. But if you ever need entertainment, um, I'm up for it if, if this job ever finishes. Oh, bear that in mind. Yeah, yeah, terrific. Um, Derek, moving the show indoors has obviously changed what you do. Um, do you get to choose the colour of the carpet? Funny, that's, that's a very relative point. Um, uh, and uh, my CEO has now got a look on his face. Um, yes, I do get to choose the carpet. Um, the budget allows the carpet to be chosen. Right. Uh, yeah, we, 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 I do get that choice, um, much to the chagrin of many of the other people, because uh, sometimes they don't like the colour. But, uh, yes, I do. Sorry, I get to choose the carpet. That's that's brilliant. That's good. That's fitting. Um, now you might know I'm a little bit of a stickler when it comes to health and safety. Uh, for you, Derek, what what is the worst aspects when it comes to today's health and safety concerns? And um, how do you make sure exhibitors and visitors play by the rules? It's Difficult to get exhibitors to return their risk assessment forms back to us because um, um, control and, and demonstration now requires that every exhibitor must have filed their risk assessment and health policy before they're allowed to start building. A health and safety officer uh, spends his life chasing people coming as they come in to make sure they've got all their forms or fill them on site. Um, it, it's, everything is health and safety conscious from the first minute we move in to the last minute we move out. Um, it's a lot easier now than indoors than it would have been outdoors, I, I think. Uh, but um, it is something that's continually changing. Um, the NEC have their own health and safety rules and regulations as well as national rules and regulations. So we have to keep on top of it. And it does keep the health and safety officer busy. Obviously, the last uh, year and a half have been quite difficult with the coronavirus. Um, and no doubt there'll be some people concerned about COVID when they look to attend the NEC this year. What, what measures do you have in place to uh, improve safety in connection with COVID? Yes, Danny, this is a very important issue and it's one that's causing uh, some sleepless nights at the moment because um, we have 
from the operations side have got every tool in our toolbox to deal with whatever comes up. We just don't know which tool we're going to want to use at the moment. Um, there'll be sanitizing stations everywhere. We don't know whether we've got to wear masks inside or yet or not. Um, the NEC are asking us to pre-register everybody doing the build-up and breakdown period. Uh, so there's a specific Soltex test and track system going. Um, but we're ready. Um, we've got cleaners ready to move in to do uh, touch points all through, um, seminars, chairs, desks, PA equipment. It's all there. Um, we're just waiting now to see what we have to do and what we don't have to do. Um, but we're ready with everything to make the visits safe for exhibitors and visitors. Yeah, Sally, just to add to that, what Derek said is, you know, we, we started out, we, we would have run a Soltex by now um, in normal circumstances. So, so we, we planned for the worst and hope for the best um, is the bottom line of that. And everything that we're doing is working with the NEC, um, who, as we understand it, the chief exec of the NEC is on uh, a representative group advising government on all these test events that are happening around us as we speak. So I think we're in very good hands with the NEC as a location. Um, one of the advantages to the NEC is, is the space within it. Um, and we know that we can configure the hall in such a way that, that we can move people around with, with minimum of fuss, but uh, maximum integrity of safety of every, every individual, be that you know, the people actually on the exhibition stands themselves or the people walking around uh, visiting the show. So from the moment we get there on the Sunday night, We've got all the COVID secure um, protocols in place happening. So from a contractor's point of view, staff setting up the event through to the two days of opening the event and, and then shutting down thereafter, we're, we're fully up to speed with all the protocols and, and working flat out with the NEC to ensure that, that we achieve all of that. Now, as you both know, I'm a bit of, I suppose you'd say, an anorak when it comes to machinery and uh, all things groundscare. So I'd like to ask Derek, as a former groundsman yourself, what's been the biggest development in groundscare or turf maintenance machinery uh, introduced at the show while you have been Mr Sontex? I think... Really, when I first started in, as a groundsman, I used to mark my pitches out with a wheel-to-wheel -wheel marker, and we used to mix hydrated lime with water. And now we've got satellite-controlled robotic markers. I think that's uh, been one, of, and now we've got robotic-driven tractors. You just sit there. I think that's been the biggest innovation, and I think that's going to increase along with battery-powered machinery. But uh, yeah. Mixing up lime and water. Uh, yeah, terrible <laughs> job. Now the robotic lime markers, I think, it's a good uh, um, period of uh, development over my time. Yeah, it's amazing how that liquid never stay in the bucket while you were mixing it, would it? <laughs> well, no, one thing when the lorry drew up in the yard with two tons of bags of hydrated lime, none of my team were anywhere to be seen. Jeff, the industry um, needs young people. I remember back at the shows in the 1980s, 
there would be coach loads of apprentices from the parks departments arriving at Windsor, um, finding their way into the industry. Sadly, with the arrival of uh, compulsory competitive tendering, those days are, are largely over. Um, we've been through a bit of a phase, I think, where youngsters have pretty much shunned industries like grounds care. How, how are you going about attracting more youngsters and, and what is there for them to see at this year's show? Okay, well, we've done several things in, in that regard. Um, the, the first one, going back to the report I mentioned, Groundsmanship Sports Vital Profession, found that 40% of the industry's workforce is over 50. Uh, and one in five grounds managers will be leaving their jobs within the next five years. So um, that in itself is, is, is obviously a massive issue that, that we all need to engage in and, and tackle. On top of that, we also found in that research that only 1% of the current workforce are female. And furthermore, the, more than two thirds of community grounds volunteers are aged over 60. So you've got this ticking time bomb issue that um, we all need to deal with. And almost all of the volunteers were over 50, by the way. So we've got to modernize and that's vital to attract a new generation, which is crucial for the future success of the industry. So, so what have we done with your question? We actually set up what we call the Young IOG Board back in 2007, and that, that came from a casual conversation um, over sort of a, a pre-build for our awards event up in Bolton, um, where Dave Withers, who was then president of Ransoms Jacobson in a, in a call with me, immediately backed the idea because they'd been working in golf on the, the futures program for greenkeepers. So the young board really came about and we, we managed to get a couple of uh, trips across to America where we, we uh, took some young sports turf ground staff across to see what was happening over stateside. And obviously we, we worked with Ransoms at that point, but that's grown and Toro have taken on an active uh, role promoting and supporting um, with um, a sponsorship package, the, the young board of the IG, but actually we're currently going through uh, a bit of a reboot with that because like everything it, it has its time um, and things can lose momentum and I think we need to have a, a good look at that at the moment but really what what the sector needs and it's not just within the GMA we're we're one cog in a, in a bigger wheel it's, it's how generally does the horticultural industry attract young people into the sector regardless of whether it's a sports turf role or a horticultural role or being a greenkeeper whatever and the bottom line is that, um, unfortunately, pay has been identified as an issue. Uh, we've tried to address that through our annual salary reviews that we do, and we, we've always um, advised that, and encouraged actually, the development of individuals, so that if you take a course, for example, to upskill yourself, then that should be rewarded incrementally with some salary increase. Um, and we've also lobbied on what are the existing uh, levels of pay throughout the kind of job postings that, that you get these days. What we're going to do going forward is, is look at anything that we promote through our um, jobs board is we're actually going to say whether the job is above, below or average to what we consider to be the recommended pay scales. Um, because I think some of this is attitudinal when it comes to pay and it's encouraging employers to, to pay fairly and look after their employees. 
and as we know mental health through the pandemic we've just had but actually was was there before this is, is an increasing um influence on whether people feel happy or or not about the roles that they've got and the pressures that they've got um, working hours is another issue um, talk to most people out there they're doing more hours than their contract is is telling them they should do so there, there's a whole host of issues to go and attack but generally i think there needs to be an overarching strategy for young people um, within the whole of the horticulture and, and sports turf sector and we need to come together we need to talk to um, you know whether it's the hta or bali or whoever um, to come up with what are the common issues affecting everybody where are the weaknesses in this system um, people talk a lot about apprenticeships um, i think the problem in the sports turf sector is the volume simply isn't there and if you look at the agricultural colleges and if you like the decimation of, of the parks departments through CCT over the years has actually impacted, I think, the throughput that agricultural colleges running sports turf courses are able to get as throughputs. So there are simply enough, not enough students registering for courses to enable those courses to be run, to enable the colleges to make them viable. But, you know, clearly colleges such as Myersco are doing a great job as far as, you know, they can with the resources they've got but they need more backing financially from government. You know, further education has been stripped of budgets and it, it's a slog at the moment and it's not going to change overnight. You know, I think you're talking at least at least 10 years hard graph to get it anywhere near where you probably need it to be uh, to address the problem. Goodness, yes, yes. Well, hopefully um, Soltex can att attract, you know, more people into the industry if, if people go to it and find out what the industry really is about. Um, staying with you for a minute, Jeff, um, what's the importance of the show to the organisation uh, and to the industry and who goes there? It's a showcase for the industry. Um, it's, it's a wide sector, so it goes actually way beyond sports turf, as, as, as you know, Sally, from being a veteran of, of attending the event. So, it's probably about 80% 80, 80 machinery, um, but then you've got all the, the different supply facets that, that come, come into that, which is a lot of people get confused over the title of Saltex. Um, Derek always reminds me, because probably as I say this, Derek's going to tell me I've got a bit wrong, but it's the sports, amenity, leisure, uh, landscaping, sorry, trade exhibition is what it stands for. I told you I'd get it wrong. And Derek was smiling as I said it, but... Um, it, that then itself gives you the diversity of the show um, and obviously there are a lot of different shows available for for everybody these days but I think what we've got is a very good track record of bringing in the buyers to the exhibitors and I think we, we would stand by that track record over the years which is why it's got the history it's got it's it's always been an attractive show for the marketplace um, and more recently, it's moved from, as you know, an outdoor event to an indoor event, which, um, you know, we, we had to work hard at that. Um, but it's paid off in, in dividends by the, by the um, growth that it had in the five years up until the pandemic hit us. Of course, yes. Yes, that's great. I'm really looking forward to it. Which reminds me, when exactly is Soltex this year? So it's the 3rd and 4th of November this year. 
Well, thank you both. Um, I've been talking with Jeff Webb and Derek Walder about Soltex and the GMA. Uh, my name's Sally Drury. Make sure you catch the next episode by subscribing to Horticulture Podcasts via Apple, iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.